on pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today is another top 10 episode. So I did one of these, it went over well, so I'm doing another one. So basically the idea is, this is my opinion, some of my little caveat of the top 10, it's my opinion, um, they're, they're subjective, it makes it more fun. Um, today's topic is my top 10 favorite non-evergreen mechanics. I will do a different podcast with the evergreen mechanics, which I do like quite a bit, but today I'm talking non-evergreen. So what does that mean? Uh, so let me clarify. First off, I am only doing mechanics, things that are keyword or ability words. Um, I'm not doing things that what I consider tools. Like, I'm a big fan of hybrid and split cards, and there's, there's things I like, but they're not really keywords or um, ability words. So today, uh, my top 10 mechanics are all keyword or ability words. Okay, and once again, subjective, my opinion. Number 10 is Infect. I really like Infect. Infect is very controversial. Um, it is one of those mechanics that either, like, it is either beloved or what I like to say, hated. Um, the players really, really enjoy it. And, and one of the things I like about it, the reason it's on my list, um, is that it. I like alternate win conditions. I like... Um, one of the cool things about magic is that you can win in ways that are different. Um, I, I'm also a big fan of milling, not that milling or you know, taking cards to the top of the library and putting it in the graveyard. Um, that's not really a keyword, but I, I do enjoy alternate win conditions. Uh, and in fact, it's one of the few keywords that comes with it in alternate win condition. Um, I also love poison. For those who don't know the story, I spent like 14 years getting poison back into the game. Um, so... It was fun when I played, when I, whenever I drafted Scars of Mirrodin, I always drafted a poison deck. Always drafted a poison deck. I had fun with it. Um, I enjoy the mechanic. I get that, I get it's controversial. Um, one of the things I like is I do like making mechanics that sort of, um, one of the things I'll talk about when I, I get to it in my uh, 20 Lessons uh, podcast is talking about how you really want to evoke strong responses out of people. And I feel like it does that. Some, some responses are negative, but that's okay. It, it, you know, you don't want all negative, but it evokes strong positive and negative. And it's something people talk about. You know, I like having mechanics that people sit up and go, oh, I, I have strong feelings about that mechanic. Um, it also, uh, the other reason it's here is I also really like Wither. And so kind of in fact, and secretly also Wither, because Wither is kind of buried into an effect. Um, I think the idea of replacing damage with minus one, minus one counters, or replacing damage with um, poison is pretty cool. Um, I like the fact that it allows poison to have gameplay that, that is, you can interact with it, you know, that, that a giant growth means something or, you know, trample means something that you're trying to get damage through. And it matters how much damage you get through that you need to do 10 damage. I, 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 I think that's cool. I enjoy that. So anyway, number 10 is infect. Okay. Number nine. Oh, wait, wait. I should explain why, why Infect is number 10 and not number 9 or 8 or 7. Um, Infect has some developmental issues. Like, the reason it might not come back is uh, it is a very swingy mechanic. Um, I, I think I like it for a lot of the people. people I, I like it for a lot of the reason people love the mechanic. And uh, the reason it's not as higher than 10 is for a lot of re- reason people dislike the mechanic. So I feel like Infect is cool, but it's it sits at the top. You know, it just barely made my top 10 because it, it does have a few issues with it. Um, it is swingy. It is hard to develop. Uh, it is... Um, it can sort of run away with the game. So, I mean, it's something that, like, I think does cool things, but uh, has a few strikes against, which keeps it at, at number 10. 
Okay, number nine, imprint. Uh, so, in fact, it was originally from Scars of Mirrodin Block. Imprint is originally from Mirrodin Block. Uh, so, oh, I should describe what the mechanics do for those that might not know. In fact, it's a mechanic that says all my damage dealt to creatures is turned into minus one, minus one counters. All my damage to players is turned into poison counters. A player loses the game if they ever have ten or more poison counters. Uh, and other than a card in Homelands that's really bad, we don't let you get rid of poison counters. So it's once you get them, you're just uh, accumulating them. Imprint is a mechanic from Mirrodin that says when you use this card, uh, go get a card from somewhere. It tells you where to get the card. From your hand, from your graveyard, um, from somewhere, and then you exile that card. And then the imprinted card cares about what that card is. So, for example, one of my all-time favorite... uh, What was Clone Machine actually called? Um, uh, Mirrodin... I'm blinking on the real name. We call it Clone Machine in design. Um, what you did is you got a creature card from your hand when you played it, and then you could keep making copies of that card from your hand. Um, and the neat thing about imprint was it allowed us to make cards we couldn't normally make. Like, you couldn't normally say, hey, here's an artifact, just choose whatever creature you want and keep making that creature. Um, just because the memory issues were too, too big. So what imprint did that I liked a lot, it said, okay, how can we get around that? It said, okay, well, what if we use the card as a marker? Okay, I'll, I'll exile the card, I can see it, uh, and, for, and the way people tend to do it is they put it with the... So it's, 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 it's exile, but it's sitting right on top of the thing to remind you what it makes. Um, anyway, I thought it was a pretty elegant design. Um, there, there are definitely a few really, really cool cards we couldn't make otherwise. Um, I mean, the thing I like about Imprint is it is a very different way to think of magic. Um, I enjoy... I like when magic is able to sort of defy expectations and sort of... You know, this is this is a card that would have been too complicated to do normally, but we figured out a way, or cards, we figured out a way to do them in a way that, you know, you, you use the cards as a memory tool. And I, I thought that was clever. Um, it definitely pushes the game in a different direction. It's a different kind of design. I, I really appreciate that. Um, the reason it's number nine and not higher is it, it has limited design space. Um, every time we've designed with it, we've made less cards than we thought we were going to make just because it's really hard to make. Um, also, is a mechanic that's complex enough that we don't do a common, not, not a strike against it or anything. I think that's okay to have mechanics that... Uh, it's okay to have a mix of mechanics. I think some mechanics a little more on the complex side. Not crazy on the complex side, but a little bit more. Enough so that I wouldn't do it a common. But anyway, Imprint is my number nine. Okay. Next, number eight, Convoke. So Convoke comes from Ravnica, the original Ravnica. It was a Selesnia mechanic. And it allowed you to tap creatures to get mana to pay for the spell. Um, or I don't know, technically I guess it reduced the cost of the spell, but um, for all intents and purposes, what it let you do is a Convoke spell said, hey, I can tap my creatures just as I can tap my mana. Creatures produce um, the color, one of the colors that they are. Um, and colorless creatures can produce colorless. Um, so one of the things that, that's definitely kind of cool is it was a cost reduction mechanic but one that's actually fairly balanced. Um, a lot of cost reduction mechanics have come up back to, to bite us in the butt. Uh, this one hasn't. It's actually a pretty well-balanced mechanic. Um, it lets you do a lot of cool things, and um, Richard Garfield designed this one, by the way. Um, so, in fact, was designed by the um, Scars of Mirrodin design team. Uh, so myself, Mark Gottlieb, uh, Mark Globus, I can't remember all the people that were on it, um, imprint was something I designed during Mirrodin. Convoke was something Richard Garfield designed during 
Ravnica. Um, he actually designed it for the Boros clan, but I moved it to the Selesnian clan because I felt it... I think he was trying to think like, oh, it's soldiers helping one another. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's more like the collective helping one another. Um, that I wanted Boros, ironically, I ended up the mechanic I wasn't happy with, but uh, it just felt more like a Selesnian mechanic. Um, obviously, we like Invoke. It's, it came back in a, in a core set. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a good, strong mechanic. Uh, like on the Storm scale, it's one of those three mechanics. Like, I just know we'll do it again and again. It's a very solid mechanic. Uh, I like it. I, I like it's. It's just a cool execution. Um, it's one of those mechanics that kind of does something neat, and it does something we do, but in a way that's kind of balanced and pretty flavorful. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of Convoke. I like Convoke. Um, why is Convoke number eight and not lower down on the list? Uh, I don't, I mean, we're starting to get to the point now where just there's things I like more. Um, Convoke uh, requires a lot of creatures, but magic requires a lot of creatures, so... Um, I don't know. I, I just think this thing... This is one of those things where it's not that I dislike Convoke. I just, there's things I like a little bit more. Um, but Convoke... The other thing I should say is this list, if you ask me six months from now, I think a lot of the same cards would show up on the list. Uh, but it could be scrambled around a little bit. Maybe Convoke is six next time I do this. Um, today it's eight. Um, but it, it is a cool, clean mechanic. Um, it is something that definitely... Um, once again, a lot of the mechanics I like allow you to really do something that's functional and interesting. And I like cost reduction. This is my one cost reduction mechanic on, on my top ten list. Um, and I, I just like how it does it. Okay, number seven, cycling. So this is also a Richard Garfield mechanic. He actually designed this in Tempest, but we didn't, it didn't get into the game until Urza Saga. We actually, both of the Urza Saga mechanics, cycling and echo, um, Richard uh, designed cycling, Mike Elliott designed echo, both were in Tempest Design, but we had so much stuff, we pushed them off. And then Mike, who was the lead designer of Urza, used them. Uh, cycling is just one of the cleanest, simplest mechanics. Like, the idea is really simple. Is sometimes you'd rather throw away this card and draw another card. And cycling just says, okay, you can do that. Um, it's a super versatile mechanic. It goes on lots of different cards. It's generally very useful. Um, we've already put it in three different, or sorry, four different blocks. It first showed up in um, Urza Saga, then it showed up again in Onslaught, then it showed up again in Time Spiral, then it showed up again in Shards of Alara. So cycling is definitely, um, in fact, it, uh, of non-evergreen mechanics, it might have showed up more than any other mechanic. Um, there's a few other ones fighting for that space, but I think cycling has the record, mostly because it started so early. Um, but anyway, it's number seven on my list just because it is clean and useful and elegant and just a, a, a nice, fine, um, I don't know, like, like one of the things that you look for, like it's not super flavorful, probably the reason it's seven and not slightly higher is there's not a lot of flavor to cycling. It, it is pretty flavorless. Um, we've talked about whether or not we wanted to sort of give it a new name, but we didn't really know how to flavor it. Um, I mean, cycling is definitely a more, you know, meta kind of name. Um, but it is, um, I, that's the big strike against it, is it doesn't have a lot of flavor. I'm not really sure what the flavor is. We've talked about could it get flavor. Um, but anyway, cycling in it, number seven. Okay, number six, devotion. So devotion was in Theros. Um, so devotion was based off of Chroma, which was a mechanic in Eventide 
in the Lorwyn Chattamore block in, in the Chattamore half. Um, it was designed by um, Aaron Forsyth in a few, not, not Future Sight, in Fifth Dawn. He actually made a bunch of cards in Fifth Dawn because we were playing around um, with Sunburst cared about mana cost. And so Aaron's like, oh, what are those other things that care about, you know, the mana? And so he came up with this, and I thought it was big enough that I didn't want to do it, that Fifth Dawn couldn't really give it the space it deserved. Um, so we teased it in Future Sight, and then we ended up doing it in um, Eventide. And it went over, maybe, maybe it's a little unfair, but like a lead balloon. Okay, probably a little better than a lead balloon, because really, who would want a lead balloon? Um, but it, 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 I mean, a couple things. One is, we didn't execute it as cleanly as we could, we didn't make it as flavorful as we could, and we just didn't make, you know, developmentally didn't make the cards particularly strong. Um, during Theros design, uh, Zach Hill, one of, one of my developers, or was on my design team, um, came up with the idea of bringing it back. I really liked the idea. Um, I liked it playing a theme. And we, what we did is we gave a strong flavor to it. Now it wasn't just, just generic look anywhere. It was alien look on the battlefield. Um, oh, so what Devotion is, sorry. Devotion is, is it, it has an effect. But the way it determines the effect is it looks on the battlefield at all your permanents and counts up the number of colored mana symbols on all of your permanents. Um, the original chroma would tell you where to look. And sometimes it looked on the battlefield, but sometimes it looked in the graveyard or looked at other places. To clean it up, we made it just your battlefield, and then we gave it a sense of flavor. What did it represent? Well, it represented a sense of devotion. Um, and we had the gods in Theros, and so it really represented sort of this allegiance to the gods. There were five monocolor gods, and you had allegiance to a god. Because, you know, if you were devotion to blue, well, you really cared about blue. So maybe you cared about the blue god who's really blue, and it had a nice flavor to it. We also pushed the mechanics, so we made it actual, you know, tournament viable. And lo and behold, uh, I mean, one of the things devotion is on the list. A, it's a really, I would say, number six. It's a good mechanic, but it also was uh, a symbol that we could rediscover things. This was a good example of we had a neat idea, we executed on it poorly, the audience's reaction was kind of lukewarm, and we came back and said, you know what, this mechanic is worth more. We didn't do it right the first time. Let's see if we can do it again. And I'm very excited that we took a mechanic that was kind of like, no one was that excited about it, redid it, gave it some flavor, repurposed it, and all of a sudden, it was one of the favorite mechanics from the set. Um, and so, you know, it really went from from a zero to a hero. <laughs> so I like Devotion. I, the other thing I like about it is it really, I love mechanics that say, hey, here's something to care about you don't normally care about, but now you care about. Because one of the neat things about this is now you're going digging through your thing and saying, hey, do I have any creatures that have lots of colored mana in their costs? You don't normally do that, you know. Uh, I mean, if you're playing a monocolor deck, sometimes you do just because there's more power there. Um, but this is definitely a mechanic that says, hey, take a look at this, care about this. And it just makes you look at your cards in a different way. Um, like in Limited, it was really cool that we put some cards in that had double mana in their cost that most of the time was just a downside. But if you happen to have Devotion, it became an upside. And the fact that you can turn what's normally a downside into an upside, just a cool thing to do. Uh, in general, I like mechanics when they're able to do that. So anyway, Devotion is number six. Um, it has my Devotion. Okay, number five, Transform. Okay, so first off, um, so transform is, it says, hey, take this card and flip it over to the other side. So transform only goes on double-faced cards. So some people may say, double-faced cards, wait, aren't those a tool like hybrid and um, split cards? And the answer is yes, double-faced cards are a tool. 
But transform is one way to make use of double-faced cards. Not the only way, by the way. It's the only way we've, we've used so far. But double-faced cards actually have a lot of, a lot of different potential. Um, but one of the neat things they do, and this is why it transforms at number five, is the idea that I can change from one state into another state. There, that's not new to Magic. Magic has done trans- state transitions for a long time. What's new is it really opens up sort of a different way of looking at it. Like when we first made double-faced cards and you know made transform, people were like, like we're excited, but at the same time, like, what are you, what are you doing? You can't do that. That breaks a rule. You. That's that's a rule you can't break, um, and there were people at work who really felt like we were breaking a, a, a rule that, like we're just going too far. Um, but I love the idea of the exploration. I mean, one of the cool things about transform is that you get to have a creature, and then it gets to become a different creature, and you get to see what they look like before, and you get to see what they look like after, um, and that is just very compelling. And transform leads to really fun, flavorful designs. Um, you know, it is one of those mechanics that just like. It oozes flavor. It is hard to make a transform card without... I mean, in fact, if you're not oozing flavor when you're making a transform card, you are failing in some regard. Because transform, it just oozes flavor. Um, I like the... Um, I mean, one of the things that I, I, I guess I like most about transform is that... Uh, technically speaking, by the way, it is a keyword action. But that is okay. It is a keyword. It's a keyword action. Um... I don't know, I just, the thing that's really cool to me is I like when we're willing to sort of go to new and different places and the idea of, hey, turn this over, go to the back, is, is a pretty neat idea. Um, and the, just, it's led itself to such cool and interesting designs. I felt like I loved the designs in Innistrad and Dark Ascension and then Shadows came along and even, even some new stuff we haven't seen. And one of the things I realized as we play around with it is there's a lot of space. Um, not only does double-faced cards have tons of space, transform has a lot of space. So anyway, it is a very flexible mechanic. It is, it is flavorful. It is a little eye-opening. Um, for, so for all those reasons, transform at number five. Number four, proliferate. This is also from Scars of Mirrodin. Um, so proliferate says, you may put a counter on any permanent or player that has a counter. So you can... Um, if a creature has a plus one, plus one counter, you can give it another one. If a creature has a minus one, minus one counter, hopefully on your opponent, you can give it another one. If you have a charge counter on your artifact, you get another one. If you have some sort of counter on your land, you can put another one on. Uh, if a player has a poison counter, you can give it another poison counter. You know, that it, it allows you... We first made it as a means by which to help with poison. Um, I think originally what it did when I, I made this mechanic in Scars Mirrodin was it just said, okay... Anything that's a minus one, minus one gets another one. Any player that has a poison gets another one. It just was spreading disease. Um, and then Mark Globus said, why are we limiting ourselves? Why can't we just do all counters? And then I realized that we actually had other counters because minus one, minus one was only on the creatures. We had charge counters and stuff on our artifacts. And so we realized that, yeah, no, 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 that's a pretty cool thing that we can do. Um, and so, I mean, one of the things for people that don't know, I love counters. I love tokens. I love... Um, I mean, proliferate only does counters, but um, you know, I'm the guy that made um, doubling season. You know, I, I love the idea of uh, I do like min- all the counter manipulation, and so it was just a neat mechanic, it, and, and, it, and it did something cool, which was very open ended. One of the neat things about proliferate is 
whenever we use mechanics, and we use mechanics for all sorts of different reasons, Clifford just goes, oh, thank you, another card I can use. Um, so one of the things that's neat about proliferate is it's a very open-ended mechanic, and I really appreciate the open-endedness. It's something that I um, that I I like in mechanics. I like I'm a, I'm a Johnny at heart. I like when I make a mechanic that says, okay, yeah, in this environment it does this, but in a different environment, you know, one of these days we'll find a way to bring proliferate back because proliferate, like depending on the environment, can do radically different things. Um, we used it for the first time in a minus one minus one environment. So it was all about sort of breaking things down. But imagine putting it in a plus one plus one environment. It's building things up. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with it. Okay, number three is morph. So morph, once again, it's an emotional list. Morph has its share of issues. It is a complex mechanic. Uh, it is a somewhat confusing mechanic. Um, but if you get past that, it is just a very cool... It's one of the coolest mechanics we've ever made. In some way... I don't know how easily we'd make it today. It'd be tough. Um, but I feel like it's sort of grandfathered in. Is this something magic has done to make it a little easier to do it again? Um, but it, is a, it, it really is, shows kind of what, you're, what magic's capable of. That, like, it, so it, it came about, it was it designed by the rules team, of all things. Um, Proliferate came about because they were trying to figure out how to make um, illusionary mask and camouflage work. And those were cards that Richard had made in Alpha that turned cards face down. But what did it mean that cards were face down? And, and, and both those cards were kind of vague on what that meant. Um, and so finally, the rules team came up with the idea of what if we just define the qualities of a face-down card? Um, originally, they defined it as a 1-1. One, one. Um, and what happened was they showed it to um, Bill Rose. He, he was not particularly interested in it. Showed it to Mike Elliott. He wasn't interested in it. So they showed it to me. I was interested in it. And so I worked with him to sort of improve it, and I, I suggested instead of being a two-mana one-one, it was three-mana two-two. Um, and then I made a bunch of decks out of it. I, I uh, in fact, I, I also came up with the idea of doing um, morph triggers, and then I made a deck with a bunch of morph cards. I, I made two decks with morph cards, and then I played it with all of R and D one by one, and slowly getting people to see the potential of what the mechanic could do. Um, and it really won everybody over, and we decided to make it. Um, the other thing I like is I like bluffing. It is probably the best bluffing mechanic we've ever made. Um, it's sort of like, okay, I have a 2-2, two, two, but we all know it's not really a 2-2. Two, two. Is it a 1-1? One, one? Is it a 5-5? Five, five? What is it? You know, and the more mana I have, the more options available. I like the fact that you can sort of like... Like, one of the things we worked in is, like, if you have enough mana tapped... You know, if you don't have enough mana untapped, your opponent, you know, can, knows it's not a particularly dangerous threat. But once you have five mana, it could be anything. And they really have to be careful. And so, it is very neat. Um, one of the cool things about it, by the way, is um, people talk about playing Morph sometimes off-color, which is, I have a Morph creature, and I, I play it, and like, well, it's just a Grey Ogre. It's three mana, two, two. Um, and I always say, no, 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 it's more than that. Because a Grey Ogre, uh, you know, if you pay three mana to get a two, two, that's it. Your opponent knows what that is. The thing about having a Morph creature is your opponent doesn't know. And even if you can't turn the face up, you know that. They don't know that. And so, I mean, even a face-down, off-color morph has potential. Even though it doesn't really have potential, it, it has potential. And so, for example, you can attack with that, especially if you have mana up, because your opponent's like, okay, they got mana up. I should be afraid of it. Maybe I won't block it. And a Grey Ogre can never do that. If they have a 3-3 and you have a Grey Ogre, you're never attacking or, you know, without a trick. Um, 
Pavea 3-3, and you have a face-down morph creature, you could attack, depending on how, 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 you, how you read the situation. Um, but anyway, morph is definitely a very cool and a very exciting mechanic. Um, oh, oh stop. once again. What morph does, for those who don't know, is you can take the card, you can spend three mana, you can play it face-down as a colorless 2-2 creature, with no creature type, and then for the morph cost of the creature, if you pay the morph cost at any time, it turns face up and comes that creature. It doesn't even use the stack, so you can't even respond to unmorphing uh, or morphing. I'm, I'm never sure what the correct verb is for turning it face up. Okay, that is number three. Number two, landfall. So this is a mechanic from Zendikar. Uh, it, it was designed by me and my team. Um, so what happened was we wanted to make land mechanics. We tried a different things. One of the mechanics we tried required you... The cost of using it was not playing a land that turn. And what we found was it was just very frustrating because you, you, people were sort of um, man-hosing themselves to use their cards. And then we decided, what if we turned it on its ear? One, instead of rewarding you for not playing mana, you know, playing a land, we rewarded you for playing a land. Um, and it really, one thing about landfall that really opened my eyes is the idea of you know, play in the space that the players want to do. You know, reward the player for doing something they already want to be doing. Uh, and it just makes the player feel so good. And the, one of the things about landfall, there's a moment uh, in playtesting when you feel something and you're like, I'm, I'm on to something. Like, this, this is something we have to replicate. Like, this feeling we have to replicate. And the thing with landfall, that landfall did so well was um, I was playing one game in playtesting and it was later in the game, and I was like, I needed the land to trigger my landfall. I'm like, come on, land. Come on, land. And I paused for a minute, and I'm like, how often in the late game are you wishing a land is on the top of your deck? That is not a normal experience. That is kind of cool. Um, so one of the things I really liked about landfall was how it just sort of made you care about something. Like, landfall works in any deck. <coughs> you can throw one landfall card in any deck, because every deck... You know, barring weird dredge decks or something, every deck uses land, and so every deck can make use of landfall. And you could you could have land you, know, you could build around it and have you know more ways to get land into play. You know, searching for land and stuff, or you could throw one in your deck, and it, it'll play just fine that way as well. Um, we made we, we made it a little too aggressive in Zen, original Zendikar. Um, but, for example, when we went back to Zendikar, we knew that one of the things we had to do, we had to do with Landfall. Very, very popular with the players. Um, anyway, uh, the reason I put it in my number two is just, it's, it is just a really cool, fun, flavorful mechanic that really taught me something. Um, so, it, I mean, it also, some, some of the ones in the top are things where I was personally involved. I mean, it's a subjective list. I started by saying it was a subjective list. It is subjective. Um, I do like how Landfall plays. I mean, there's some issues with Landfall. It can get very aggressive. Because you play lands in your turn, it is more, it, it is more an aggressive mechanic. It more makes you want to do things you didn't want to attack with. I don't think that's a negative. I, I actually think um, sort of encouraging attacking is a relatively good thing, so I like that. Um, okay, so at number two, Landfall. Okay, number one, with a bullet, um, Flashback. So flashback is a mechanic uh, I made in original, or not in original, in Odyssey, um, the original graveyard set. Um, we had messed around with the graveyard a little before, 
um, Weatherlight messed around the graveyard a bunch. But the first block that was all about, that had a theme of the graveyard, was Odyssey. Uh, and one of her mechanics was Flashback. Inspired, for those who never heard the story, um, I used to be the head judge for the feature match area at the Pro Tours. So I would watch a lot of feature matches. Um, and one of the little things I would do when I was watching really boring matches is I would come up with some condition I could give to the loser that would be a challenge for the winner. Um, and one of the conditions I came up with is players could cast instant sorcerers out of their graveyard. You know, they could cast it a second time. Uh, and I, it just kind of stuck with me. Like, that's kind of a cool ability. And so when we were doing the graveyard set, I'm like, oh, okay, well, why don't we do this? You know, here's this mechanic. And I didn't know at the time if it, would, if it could support, support enough cards. Um, it turns out, yes, yes, it can. So Flashback is one of these just really meaty... It's the kind of mechanic that design loves and development loves. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of cool things you can do with it. And it just does really good things. It lets you sink mana into it. It lets you get access to extra cards. You know, it does a lot of neat things that development wants. And there's just a lot of cool things you do with it in design. So, um, you know, and the, the basic thing is pretty simple. Just, like, do a spell and get it back. But you can do a lot of fun things with it. Like, you can do off-color. Meaning... Like, to ca- I, I cast it for blue, but then cast it a second time for white, or, you know. And you can do things where it, it sort of has a multicolor flavor to it, because the second time you use it, you have to be in a different color. You can do costs other than mana costs. You, there's other costs we've played around with where, to get it the second time, you got to do something different. Um, you definitely can mess around with... Uh, sometimes we've done stuff where the cheap one is the flashback cost. And so it's, like, it's all about, can I get this in my graveyard? You know, it's a little more expensive up front, but if I get in my graveyard some other means, I can get a cheaper card. Um, and that's another fun thing with Flashback is, like, there's a whole strategy where you're dumping cards in your graveyard, and the cards in your graveyard are equity, and in some ways it's like drawing cards because you can, you can play the cards. Um, Flashback also has kind of a cool name. Um, a lot of mechanics like this in the early days really were kind of flavorless. Um, you look at, like, you know... Um, Cycling and Kicker and just had a lot of sort of meta-functional names but not really flavorful names. And Flashback's actually a pretty flavorful name. You know, you're remembering things. You know, the, the graveyard is where things go when they're no longer around. For creatures, it's the great, you know, it's literally the graveyard. They're dead and buried. Um, but for spells, it's kind of like spells that have been forgotten. It sort of goes off into the nether void. Um, it's the idea that I kind of remember the thing I once knew. Um, the, the flavor is pretty cool. And so I, I enjoyed that. Um, so Flashback originally showed up in Odyssey. It then came back in um, Time Spiral. And then it came back again in Innistrad. Um, most people consider Innistrad to be uh, the best limited environment of all time. Um, I think part of that is Flashback. I think Flashback makes for a really fun limited environment. Uh, it adds a lot of depth. Uh, it's something that we talk about lenticular design, which means things that are... Um, on the surface pretty straightforward but have more strategic depth to them than you first realize um, and flashback is one of those mechanics where on the surface okay I get it I can cast it and cast it again it's pretty straightforward um, but the strategic flexibility of knowing when and how and where um, to use it and it, it's just one of those things that add, adds a lot of depth to it um, and so anyway flashback is my number one mechanic so I'm almost to my daughter's school today, so let's recap our top ten. Okay, at number ten, from Scars of Mirrodin, 
we had infect showing that, that poison, uh, show, show, I, I, me showing a little poison love. Number nine from Mirrodin was imprint. Um, imprint was um, mechanic from uh, a mechanic that allowed you to um, exile a card, and then you can somehow use that. Um, most of the imprint spells, by the way, that were the best imprint spells, tend to let you do multiple times. Uh, it was a very fun copying mechanic where you were copying a spell or, or a permanent or something. At number eight is Convoke from uh, original Ravnica, the, uh, the one Selesnia uh, mechanic. Um, really did a neat thing and allowed you to sort of... It was, it's the one... Um, it's the one damage... Uh, not damage. Um, cost reduction spell that really is pretty balanced and does cool things. Number seven, Cycling from Urza's Saga. Um, uh, a very uh, high utility, just generally useful mechanic. Number six, Devotion from Theros. The mechanic that showed you, you can try again. That if, if at first you don't succeed, wait, wait, don't give up. Um, try, try again. And uh, it's also a sign of how the right mechanic in the right place with the right flavor can just do a lot of good work. Number five is Transform uh, from Innistrad. Uh, goes on double face cards and things turn from one thing into another. It really shows how you can do cool, flavorful things that are really sort of eye-opening. Number four is Proliferate. Proliferate was from Scars of Mirrodin. Uh, it lets you show that you can make Johnny mechanics that definitely are very open-ended that you can do cool things with. Um, number three is Morph, uh, originally from Onslaught. A mechanic that says, hey, you know, you can really explore a deep and different space. That, you know, the rules team can come up with a mechanic because there's weird, weird rules interactions that you can use. Um, number two is Landfall from Zendikar Block. Um, Landfall really taught me the important lesson of, hey, let players do things they want to do. Reward them for doing things they want to do. Um, it definitely helped uh, sell the idea of a land-based set. It really helped put Zendikar on the map, and it was very popular. And number one, Flashback, um, originally from uh, Odyssey. Um, uh, and it was redone a couple times. So Flashback, oh, I didn't explain Flashback. Flashback is you cast a spell, and then you could pay mana to cast it out of your graveyard. Um, anyway, it is just, of all the mechanics that I've done uh, and worked with, I don't know, it's just it's my, my, my personal favorite. I made it. I'm sure that's something to do with it. Um, but it's just a, a nice, cool, clean, plays well, easy design, easy development you know, mechanic. And it's funny. I feel like every other block, it feels like something, hey, maybe we can do flashback here. You know, like development's always saying, oh, can we add flashback? Could flashback go here? Because it's just such a cool mechanic. And it's very popular with the players. So um, mechanic that does its job, it's flavorful, and both the players and the people making the game love, that's a sign of a good mechanic. So that, my friends, is my top 10 non-evergreen mechanics. I hope you enjoyed this uh, top 10 episode. Um, Like I said, one of these days I will do top 10 um, evergreen mechanics. Yeah, top 10 evergreen mechanics. But anyway... I'm now pulling up to my daughter's school, so we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of making magic, sorry, instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.